So as I said, we're going to continue this stewardship series. And today we're going to be looking in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. That's going to be the verse that informs the rest of this message. 1 Peter was written by a man named Peter. Just in case you were wondering how deep we were going today. It was written by Peter and he was writing to the church. And what they would do with these letters is uh, we call them epistles, but they're, they're letters that were written to groups of people and they would be passed around. And, and, and the different churches would read them and share them with one another. And they, as way of instructing the churches how to function as believers, the Christian, the Christian faith was relatively new and many people came from the, the Jewish tradition and Gentiles, non-Jews were also coming to faith. So they came from varied pagan religions. So they were trying to figure out how to do church together and how they could walk together. And what is this thing Christianity is supposed to look like? We're talking about the favor and the grace of God pouring itself out on man and, and that it was no longer going to be people's efforts that got them saved, but it was going to be a gift from God. Or it was, it, they, they weren't going to be able to earn their salvation, but God was going to gift it to them. And though they would have to cooperate with it and work with it, the grace of God was free. And that was a, that was a new thing. And, you know, anytime you figure out something's free, you're going to go kind of one or, true way, one or two ways. If there's free candy on the table, you might do one of two things. You're either not going to trust it and not actually enjoy any of the candy because you don't believe that it's free. Or you risk going absolutely crazy and eating all of the candy because it's free. Right? The gospel is far better and forgiveness of God is far better than candy. But what can happen is when you hear about this grace that is poured out and is free, some people weren't holding to it at all and not accepting it and not enjoying the benefits of the love of God. And they were standing back away from it. And then others were jumping in and in treating it in excess. Now, can you have too much of the love of God? No. Can you have too much of the grace of God? No, absolutely not. But you can think wrongly about it and continue to go on sinning and to continue to go on acting however you're going to act because, well, God's got me covered. He loves me. Right? So Peter's writing this letter and he's trying to help them understand what it means to follow Jesus and how to walk with one another in a way that is honoring to God. And we jump in at first Peter chapter four, verses seven through 11. He says this, the end of things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one is, uh, who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us this morning to recognize the gifts that you've given us so that we can use them appropriately for the glory of your son, of your kingdom, of your person. Open our eyes to, to, to see things freshly, our ears to hear with newness and our hearts to understand with fresh zeal and revelation what you called us to in your son, Jesus. Amen. One of the most beautiful parts of the church for me, and by the church, I don't mean the building. I mean the people that make up 
the, 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 the community of believers. And that's what the church is. The church is never intended to be just a, a building. The building that the church is, when the Bible talks about a building, it's a building of people. It's a gathering of, of individuals who have been called by Christ and walking with him and following him into his mission and into his purpose, into the life that he has for us, all coming together and walking together and serving together and loving one another. And that's what the church is supposed to be. One of the most remarkable things within the church is the varied grace that God pours out on us that produces different kinds of gifts. It's amazing to me that the same gospel, as it moves on someone's heart, can produce very, very different results that are all honoring and glorifying to Jesus. That's as God leans on it. That's as the gospel presses on our hearts. What I mean is, it's kind of like when, when you water a, a garden, you, you got the different seeds, and you put the seeds in the ground, and you, you give it the same soil, you give it the same sunlight, you give it the same water, and these plants come up, but they're different kinds of plants. As the gospel presses into our hearts and as we internalize the truth of the gospel and what it means to follow Jesus, it's going to produce different things in our lives that are all glorifying to Jesus. It's also going to shake out the crazy stuff. <laughs> right? So I'm not saying everything that comes up as we go into Jesus is good. Sometimes he uses it to reveal selfishness, uh, pride. He'll use it to reveal lusts. He'll use it to reveal the things that are in us that we really didn't, weren't interested in him getting at in the first place. That stuff will come up too, but for a different reason. But as, as it begins to produce different things, you'll see that some people feel called to go on missions and some people will start churches. Some people are going to start raising money so that they can, so that they can fund missions. You'll see that some people start feeding the homeless and, and that's what their emphasis is going to be. And some people are going to, going to start a, a ministry or participate in a ministry that works with women who have been abused and battered. You're going to find that as the gospel presses on your heart, that, that God is going to light a passion in your heart that is varied from the people around you, not so that you can be different and we can be separate from one another, but so that together we, we have a, we demonstrate the manifold or the varied wisdom of God in our very, uh, in our various spheres as God leans on us. So the grace of God has produced in some people in our church, a ministry called every child fed or an organization called every child fed that raises money and, and does food projects in, in sub-Saharan Africa. And they're, gonna, they're partnering with us in, in a Generosity Feeds event at Dominion High School in November. But because of the gospel pressing on their lives, they saw a need and God lit in them a passion and a desire to create something that could serve people who couldn't help themselves yet. At the same time, at Grace Covenant Church, there's a woman who started an organization who, that reaches out to women who are in abusive situations to help them get whole and to help them get healthy. So which one is God more pleased by? Neither. He's pleased with both of them. Because as the gospel pressed on their hearts, it's produced something that lifts him up, that glorifies him, and demonstrates the love of God, not only to them, but to one another as well. You with me? Y'all are quiet and nervous about where we're going today. <laughs> But these gifts come by the grace of God. And the word that's used for this is the, is the same word that we get the word charity from. Because it's something, the grace of God that gives us these gifts. The grace of God that manifests these gifts isn't something that we earn. It's something that's given to us by charity, by benevolence, by unmerited favor. Not according to anything that we've done, but just because he loves us. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Why does he love us? Because he loves us. Not because we've earned it or we've been so pleasing to him. 
That's what makes the love of God so absolutely remarkable. And Peter's like, hey, stop playing, (laughs) y'all. That's the direct translation, actually. Uh, He's like, we got stuff to do. Stop acting foolish. Don't take this grace of God and go off and live lavishly. Don't take this grace of God to serve yourself. Don't take this grace of God and, and go glorify yourself and lift yourself up or use it as an excuse to gather things to yourself. Be self-controlled. But don't just live your life being self-controlled. Don't live your life just not trying to get in trouble. Don't live your life just trying to stay out of jail. Anybody live that way a little bit? Just live trying to stay out of trouble? That was a lot of my life. I just didn't want to get in trouble. Because getting in trouble was bad and I wanted to be good. So stay out of trouble. So I avoided doing the bad things that would get me in the most trouble. Okay, just making sure you picked up on what wasn't said. Right? I, so I tried to, I did things that people didn't know about is basically what I just said. I'll just go ahead and say it. And I worked hard to cover it up so nobody would know the bad things that I was doing because I wanted to be good. So I would hide these things and and, and that's not, that's not the call of God. So we're not trying to avoid being in trouble. What we're trying to do is make the most of the time that we have on this earth to make the biggest difference that we can make for the glory of God. And, um, what I want to do is I want to, I want to use the life of Moses to illustrate, I think, the way that God is calling you and I to steward the varied gifts that he's given to you and me. And so I'm going to read a second passage of scripture this morning. It's in Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It says this, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they'll say, The Lord didn't appear to you. God was telling Moses to go to Pharaoh, And say, hey, um, Pharaoh, God sent me to tell you that all these people who have built all these things to you have been enslaved for you for all these years. Yeah, you need to let them go. This thing that I'm sure is giving you status among all the other nations in the world, this thing that has produced a lot of wealth for you and given you a lot of pleasure and a lot of privilege, it's time to let them go. God told me to a man who has multiple gods. And I'm sure Moses sitting here, he's like, God, do you understand that Pharaoh, God, do you know these, God, you might not know, but Pharaoh might not care about, about who, about me and the message that I'm bringing. And the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? Moses says a staff, a staff, like a shepherd's staff. And God said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a stick or it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So in this verse, I, I, let me say real quickly that sometimes we can super spiritualize that moment and, and think of it as being more, more, less weird than it actually was. Moses was holding a staff that he had probably been using as a shepherd for a long time. And God says, throw it down on the ground. And it turned into a snake. And he was so terrified, he ran from it. 
Like, let's not gloss over that. You know, that'd be like if this turned into like, I don't know, a whale. I'll take a whale. <laughs> turned into a whale, just like, bam, right here on the stage. Or like a hedgehog. Or a honey badger. A honey badger would be terrifying. <laughs> turned into a honey badger. He's like, go ahead and step away from the podium. And it turned into a honey badger. I'd be terrified. And hopefully you would be as well, right? It was that, it was, it was that real in that moment. And sometimes we can read scripture and just kind of gloss over and be like, yeah, the staff turned into a snake. What's the big deal? (laughs) Happened to me yesterday. My chopsticks turned into like gigantic worms. Just just right there on the table, chopsticks, boom. I was playing pool the other day. It turned into a, a python, you know, just, oh, hey. Right. So it wasn't, it's not, it's not normal. It's weird. And it's, it was strange and it was terrifying. That matters here in a minute. Uh, I've got, I've got some steps and I'm not sure if the AV team was able to put them into it. Oh, you did. Okay, great. So the, so, uh, we're going to start with, you need to ponder. It starts with pondering. What is in your hand? This represents your skills. The staff represented his skill. It represented his possessions. It represented his profession. What's in your hand? What skills do you have? And sometimes we make the mistake of being like, well, I'm a really skilled accountant, but the work had, the church has no need for organization. So my skill doesn't do any good there. That'd be wrong. Everybody who's been at church for more than a minute giggled at that. <laughs> church needs help with administration, right? And then, and then what, maybe you've got, maybe you've got another skill. Maybe you're in logistics or operations in a portable church that becomes really, really critical. Maybe you've got a skill set in speaking and training, and you're like, I've got this skill set for training. Where else would a skill of training be needed than in the house of God? So, you, so it's just ponder. Think, what are the skills that I have? And, and for each of it, you are going to find that it's a varied expression of the grace of God in us and among us. And then we're going to be responsible for that gift, and that, but that comes later. And God said, throw it on the ground. Now, let me say real quick about the pondering. When, when, when he looked at it, I'm sure Moses was like, what's in my hand? A stick. I hit sheep with this. Do you want to know anything else, God? Before you send me to Pharaoh with a stick? <laughs> and, and I think sometimes we can think too little of the things that are in our hand. We think too little of the skill that we have. We think too little of the relationships we have. We think too little of the resources that we've been given. We think too little of, of, the, of where we live and the influence that we have. We think too little of, 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 our, of our profession and, and the value of our profession in the kingdom of heaven. Well, I'm just a, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a counselor. I just, I work at a restaurant. I'm, I'm a musician. What are the things that you have? What are the skills that you have? And there's nothing more... Everything is more significant than a stick. God said, throw it on the ground. So our second step is put it down. We recognize the thing that we have, and then we don't just get all excited about it and pump all the steroids into the thing that we have. The next step is to put it down before him. So if you find that you're an accountant, your next step is to say, God, you've skilled me and gifted me in this way. Take the, what would you do with this skill? If you're gifted in logistics, if you're gifted in music, if you're gifted in uh, some, as a mechanic, take your gift and say, God, how can I use, how can you use this for your glory? 
God, what is it that you want to do with this thing that in my hands is just a stick, but in your hands is something terrifying and powerful, something wonderful that can go and do things beyond whatever I could do with it. So we got to put it down. We need to release the potential of the stick to our father and let him use it how he sees fit. And let him do with our stick what we're unable to do by ourselves. So he threw it on the ground. It became a serpent and Moses ran from it because it shocked him the potential of that stick. It would shock you to know the potential of your gift when God gets a hold of it and God is the one who develops it and it's not on you and five steps from inc.com or (laughs) insider business or Harvard business review or something like that. You're like, oh, if I just read another to-do list and my gift would, would grow legs and my gift would get stronger and my gift would manifest everything that it's supposed to be and I'll be great and rich. Nobody else struggles with that? No. Okay. Just the pastor. That's cool. But what we don't need is another five-step program. What we don't need is another how-to. What we don't need is another app that's going to make us great. What we need to do is surrender those things to God and let him decide how he wants to make it great. And it might be great in a different way than you wanted it to be great. Because Moses still has to go to Pharaoh. That is not what he was hoping for. He's like, couldn't you send me to someone who wants me? Like, God, I could make some money on this trick. (laughs) I could get a following on this thing. This stick is powerful. I could go do some stuff. Start a show. People follow me everywhere. Be a lot easier to keep my sheep in line with a stick that turns into a snake. (laughs) Can you reproduce this thing for me? I'll just have a whole herd of snakes herding my sheep. Every gift we have is a, is a, is a gift that comes from God. And, and um, the Bible was clear in this passage from, in, in the first passage, that we've all been given gifts. But sometimes we use them badly. I, I wrote down a couple ideas of how we use them badly. Um, DJ, DJ Khaled was probably supposed to be a worship leader. He's probably supposed to be a worship leader. That's what God designed him for. He's certainly leading a certain kind of worship. Ed Sheehan, I probably said that wrong. He's probably supposed to be a worship leader as well. Definitely a different kind of church than DJ Khaled. Khaled. You guys are, you shouldn't know that. And actually, it's either really quiet because you guys have no idea who either of those guys are or nobody wants to admit they know who those guys are. You failed the test. No, I'm just kidding. Right? And probably at different churches because they're very different kinds of musicians doing different kinds of music. This is harder than I thought it would be. Anyway, I've got one more example. El Chapo. (laughs) That's who we're talking about at church today. Did I pronounce that incorrectly too? Okay, thank you. He's supposed to be a businessman. For the glory of God. And he was designed and gifted to fund missions. probably in the 1040 window where it was illegal to go. I mean, homeboy made billions in underground networks. What else do we need but that skill set across the Middle East and China, but somebody who can build underground. 
he was massively and uniquely gifted and he used it to build his own kingdom. You think differently about the potential of a person when you think that, when you realize that the gifts they have was one for the kingdom. You'll think differently, you know, even just seeing a movie with, with drug dealers, you'll be like, dang, they could have been great evangelists. Man, they could, be, they could be leading a great little church right there on the corner in that coffee shop right there, leading a church. They could have had a, a lot of things going on. Church planters, apostles. These people, they saw around the corner so well. That's a prophetic gifting to know what's coming next. You know, it's around the corner. I mean, seeing into the future, what the need is going to be when, when in 15 years and people are like, I know what the need's going to be and I'll get there. I'll beat you there. And those, those people who see it around the corner, nobody does that better than a drug dealer. Anyway, I'm just saying. But you need to put it down. And it'll amaze you the potential and the things that you have and the natural things that you have and the simple things that you have, what God is willing to do with something when we give it to him, when we release control of it. Because he had to let go of it completely for God to be able to do something with it. And then he said, pick it back up. Now, here's the trick. I bet you he didn't pick up that staff ever again the way that he used to hold it. There's probably a lot less contempt for that staff. But even when he went to pick it up, <laughs> this thing that he just ran from, now he's supposed to pick it up from this God he's never met before. He's sending him to Pharaoh. He's like, right, right, pick, pick up the snake. That's a really good idea. And so he goes and he picks it up and it becomes a staff once again. But as he picked it up, I promise you, he recognized the potential power in it and saw that God was willing to do things that he wasn't able to do himself in it. My hope is that nobody goes to work tomorrow thinking about your job or your skills the way that you thought about it yesterday. My hope is that tomorrow you go into work, whether you work at a restaurant or you own a business, recognizing the potential for God to use this for his glory. When you recognize the potential of the gifts that God's given you, you begin to see very, very quickly that it's not about you. It's about the varied grace of God becoming manifested through you and me. Back to the verse in Peter, it says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. This is not an exhaustive list. We see another list in Romans and we see lists in first Corinthians and uh, of the different kinds of gifts, the varied gifts of God. But I don't think those are all the, the complete list of what's available in God, but it's certainly some of the prominent ones that were being expressed and spoken to in that moment. So whatever that gift is, you have a responsibility and a stewardship to use it in a way that is honoring to God. If you're an athlete, you're called to do that to the glory of God. Why? In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. That's the reason why. And that's what separates this from, from a, a feel-good message in, a, in a, like a, you can be great because you're great. And God wants you to be great and happy. 
God doesn't promise us that we're going to be happy. He promises us he's going to draw near to us when we're unhappy. He doesn't promise us easy. He promises that he's going to draw near to us when things are hard. That's why the Holy Spirit who Jesus sent, one of the names that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit was the comforter. It's like really encouraging and not encouraging at the same time. That'd be like if somebody gave you a, a, a like you were like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be going on a trip, uh, be back in a couple weeks. And, um, and they said, oh, good. Well, here you go. You'll need this. And it was a bag of like morphine and syringes and stitches equipment and stuff like that. You'd be like, what do you know <laughs> that this is the gift you're giving me? What do you know about the life that I'm going to live that the comforter is the one that you're promising me? But our gifts are to point to heaven. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. This wasn't a, a, a trick to do at parties. This wasn't a trick to, to gain attention to himself. Moses wasn't able to just go around turning the stake into a snake or turning his staff into a snake for his own attention and so he could make some money off the deal. It was so that the people would know that he's walking with the power and the authority of God. When we faithfully execute the gifts that God has given us for the glory of God, people will be able to look and go, oh, that's, that's a unique gifting that has a little bit something extra on it. When we talk about anointing, that's what we talk about. Somebody can sing really, really well and hit all the right notes, but then you have somebody who's anointed and it's got this little something extra to it that speaks to our heart. Inversely, you can also sing really, really badly. And be anointed and have a moment. I remember I, I used to run sound at, at the church. And back, you know, 20 years ago, with, with my, my dad trained me up. And so I, I would listen to this. Uh, we'd record them on tapes. Everybody in here knows what a tape is, right? It's going to be outdated here soon. But we would record it on tapes. And I'd go back and listen to it in the car. And some of the most amazing worship moments where we were most deeply impacted by the Spirit of God. And people are crying and getting down on their knees. And, you know, you're like, man, that was amazing. And then I'd pop it in the car. And I'm driving home like, what? That's not what happened. <laughs> it sounded so much better than that. It, you know, like, I'd, I'd be like, ooh, that was not good. And... Those weren't, I don't, I'm not sure they were singing the same song as each other. And it was like, these, they, these tapes, they're the devils on them. You know, <laughs> something's wrong with these tapes. Because that's not what happened this morning. God met us this morning because the anointing was there. The Holy Spirit was there and empowering it. And it was beautiful and it covered all the, all the, all the pimples. And it covered all the grossness. Not pimples. If you got a pimple, you're not gross. It's just... And, <laughs> it covers all our mistakes. That's all I'm, your, your face isn't a mistake if you got a pimple. <laughs> face is perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully made. In the image of God, your face is wonderful. Look at someone, say your face is wonderful. <laughs> all right. Did we recover? Okay. Feel comforted? If anybody's got the gift of encouragement, that came out right now. So if you came out of that moment feeling like, yeah, my face is wonderful. The person next to you has the gift of encouragement. <laughs> and thank you for stewarding that gift well. What are we talking about? 
Oh, anointing, it covers, it covers. So when you do your gift really, really well, when you go into your workplace knowing that God has skilled you for something and you can steward this gift by doing it for the glory of God, not for the glory of a paycheck, what God does as we give it back to him is he puts his something on it that wasn't possible when you were doing it by yourself. There's, a, there's an, an extra gear available and it might not produce more in, in the workplace, but it's going to be distinct. And there's a distinction that's going to be attractive. And there's a distinction that's going to, it's going to bring a level of worship to what you do and give greater value to the things that you do. And also the gifts that you have. I, I, I might have said it already, but there's a place for your gifts in this house as well. So if you're like, it's not separate because you can't see a clear path between the two. Be like, hey, look, I'm a chef. How can I use this gift? Hey, I'm a this. How can I use this gift? And we can find a place for expression of your gift in the house. Wherever you find yourself. And uh, the last point is that we need to pour it out. Now, he didn't pour out the stick, but I was doing so well with the alliteration to this point. I just stuck with it. His stick was dedicated to the benefit of other people. I I was flipping through Exodus and I looked for a miracle that Moses did with the stick for himself and there isn't one. There was no miracle that was strictly to his benefit. It was all to glorify God and to demonstrate the love of God to his people. And the power of God to those who were opposing him. We need to make sure that in in all of this understanding that God wants to use us. That we don't accidentally confuse the message. And make it all about us and making it to serve us. I've used this example before. But if you can sing like Natalia. Your gift isn't for yourself. That'd be a shame of a gift. Man, let me tell you about this person who had the greatest voice that you never heard. Let me tell you about a chef that made the greatest food that nobody ever ate. Let me tell you about the, the greatest writer in the world who nobody ever read. But they enjoyed it for themselves. They love their they love their art, they love their poems, they love their food, they love their singing voice. But they used it for themselves. Can you imagine the tragedy? The good news today is not that we've got gifts that God wants to use. The good news is not that God wants to maximize our gifts and he wants to take our staff and make it into into something more powerful, something more significant. The good news is that he loves us in the first place. And that even when we have rejected him and we've chosen our way instead of his way, he remains in pursuit of us. The greatest news in this is not that you might be somebody, it's that he saw you when you were nobody. And loves you and called you into relationship. And is calling you today into relationship. That's the great news today. The great news today is that he calls us into relationship with him. And that and, and he made a way for us to relate to him. 
God did. And not only does he relate to us, but he gives himself to us without holding back. You know, it's like three or four degrees away that we begin to see that, wow, he loved me when I didn't love him. He drew near to me when I was rejecting him. He made a way for me when I didn't want it. And then he captured my heart and gave and continually gives himself to me by the Holy Spirit. And he's giving me gifts to demonstrate this love to each other. One of the greatest gifts after all of, after all of that in my life for me today is the gifts that God has given me in and through you. And it's the gifts that he's given you in and through one another. And God is calling us to steward a relationship with him where we walk closely with him and we set everything else down and give it over to him to do with it what he wants to do so that when we pick it back up, we can use it the way that he wants us to use it for his glory and to demonstrate the love of God to one another. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. I ask that you would help us to look at the skill sets that we have, the strength that we have, the grace that we've been given with fresh eyes. We would recognize that it's, it's not for us that you've gifted ourselves. It's for one another. Help us to use these gifts for your glory and as an opportunity to express the great and deep love that you have for us to one another. If there's anybody here today, you know, let's do this a little bit different. If, if, you, if, you, if you've been using your gift selfishly and you want God just to move on your heart, and show you a proper expression of your gift. Can you can you raise your hand with me? I want to I want to pray with you. That's great. There are a bunch of hands going up and that's not something to be embarrassed about. Something to be excited about. You can put your hands down. If you raised your hand or if you didn't just pray with me, Father in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your grace that you've poured out on me. I thank you for the gifts or for the love that you've given me. For the forgiveness you've shown me. And for the gifts you've given me. I ask that you would show me what's in my hand. You would give me the courage then to set it down. You would give me the faith to pick it up with fear and reverence of you. That you would give me the perseverance to point to heaven and let it reflect your love and help me never make it about me, but about making your great in my family, in my community, in my church. In Jesus' name.
Amen.